Well, good morning again. You know it's okay to ask questions, right? It really is. But in all of our questions, we should seek God. I had this all ready and apparently it shut down on me. All right, we're back in the book of John. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John. The title of the sermon is Ask Questions and Seek God. Now, y'all know I'd like to start with a joke. And usually I try to find or make jokes that are, have something to do with the sermon or spiritually applicable. That ain't the case today. Okay? Just so you know, I just found it funny. All right, now I'm going to share it with you. An American man visits the Holy Land with his wife and his mother-in-law, and sadly the mother-in-law dies. And when seeing the local Israeli undertaker, it was explained that they could ship the body home for $5,000, but if they buried her locally, it only cost him $150. Well, the man said to the undertaker, we'll ship her home. And the undertaker asked, are you sure? That's an awfully big expense, and when we can do a very nice burial right here. And the man replied with a look on his face. He said, look, 2,000 years ago, they buried a guy here, and three days later, he rose from the dead, and I just can't take that chance. <laughs> I'm glad you like that. <laughs> The Gospel of John was written between 90 A.D. and 100 A.D., and scholars also believe that John wrote the three epistles and the book of Revelation around the same time frame as he wrote this Gospel. At this time, Matthew, Mark, and Luke had already been written and was already circulating. John is the spiritual Gospel of the four. John chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. And so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw from with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? 
And so Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountaintop nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And then Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for all the dynamics that's going on here in this encounter. We thank you that you chose to write it in the scriptures for us. Father, as we look into the scriptures, we ask that you would touch our hearts, that you would make us new, that you would revive us. And Lord, we do pray for those that are not here and those that are being called here from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We ask that you would bring them in. Send us visitors, Lord. Send us people that are supposed to be here. For you said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Lord, we pray that you would send the workers, because you said to do that, and that you would send them. And we stand on faith in that. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. The strong Son of God in the church said, Amen. Amen. Seek God and let go of the dead things of the world. That's our life principle today. Seek God and let go of the dead things of the world. Let go of the world and cling to what is good. Let go of the world and cling to what is good. John 4, 1, and we're going to break this down in two sections. And I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation this time. And it says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee, and he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Well, first of all, 
Jesus' disciples, when we come into this story, had been baptizing. Remember, they were in that place that had a lot of water, and that's why they were baptizing. That's why John was baptizing. But they had been baptizing in whose name? In Jesus' name. And he was making more disciples than John. And John made a lot of disciples, which is why the religious leaders even noticed John in the first place. Now Jesus is making more than even him. And the Pharisees get wind of this. And for whatever reason, Jesus didn't confront them at this time. He simply let, let, let it go and left to Galilee. And now between him and Galilee was the land called Sumeria or Samaria. Samaria is an interesting land. You see, the Jews, we're going all the way back to the Old Testament. The Jews were one time conquered by Babylon. And it was their practice, the Babylonians, the Babylonian king, he would remove a people of a land and bring in another people for that land. So what he did was he carried away the Jews, all the important Jews anyway, to Babylon. And he left only the most impoverished of the Jews in the area and carried the, the others away. And so then the king would bring in that new group that we talked about into an area that had no ties with God or the land. And these people intermarried with the Jews that were left. And they mostly resided in a land called Samaria. Now if we go forward in time to where Jesus is, we, 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 not all the way to where Jesus is, we go forward in time just a little bit, the Jews were led back to the promised land, though not everyone returned. They chose to stay. Uh, they came into the area, and they find these what they would call half-breed Jews. And they despised them for it. You see, the Jews were God's people, and so they were to remain pure at this time, and they didn't. So there's this animosity, this angst amongst the Jews and the Samaritans that lasted even up to Jesus' time. And a really good Jew would, would choose not even to go into Samaria. He would travel around Samaria so they wouldn't have to deal with them. Well, Jesus chooses not to do this, but to go right through Samaria to get to Galilee as it was the shortest route. Why waste time? You see, the racial separation stuff didn't play well uh, with Jesus. He broke down that wall of separation between the Jews and everyone else. And how he did it was through the new covenant in his blood. Ephesians 2.11 tells us, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself some new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. 
We find the same sentiment in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. It says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and there's heirs according to the promise. So we see that Jesus is going to break down that wall of separation, that salvation would be even be offered to the Samaritans and to the Greeks and to the world. And so Jesus is traveling through Samaria, and he comes to a town named Sychar, where there's a well that was dug by Jacob hundreds of years before. Did you know Jesus got tired and he got weary? Why? Because he was 100% man and 100% God. And he's sitting there and this lady shows up, to, so he asks her for water. Now what's interesting is, is that she came during about noon. Most of the women had already come and gotten their water. She came because she was probably even a bit of an outcast amongst her own people. So she would come at a different time. And she's shocked that Jesus had asked her because of the bitterness that existed between Jews and Samaritans. And now Jesus starts speaking to her about spiritual things, but she is all hung up on the physical things. He talks about living water, eternal life, the power of God inside a believer, but she's focused on the water that's needed for physical life. Now, is this her fault, her focus? Well, no, it's not. See, we saw this before when we talked about Nicodemus. Just as Nicodemus, without the revelation that is given by the Holy Spirit, cannot comprehend what's going on and to what he's talking about, neither can she. 1 Corinthians 2.13 tells us, When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. She didn't have the mind of Christ. So she's going on about a bucket that Jesus didn't have, and then she asks a question. Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? Can you feel the animosity that's even ingrained in her? Are you greater than this guy? Anyone else would have to say no, wouldn't they? Because Jacob was chosen by God. Remember the common saying was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So she was expecting a no answer. But that's not what she got. Nor did she even get a yes answer. Jesus simply demonstrated that he is greater than Jacob in their conversation. Jesus does this a lot. There are many times he will not give a straightforward answer until the end of whatever he's got to say, and then he'll give it to you. You know, we get all hung up on the flesh and the things of the world, and, and then we miss the spiritual things that's going on around us. We need to make sure that we aren't so caught up on the physical things of this world that we miss the spiritual things of God going on in our lives. People like to say they don't hear God or see Him work much. Well, that might be because they're too focused too much on the physical trappings of this world to really see what He's doing. 
If you, as a Christian, ask God to reveal what he's doing, guess what? You're going to see it. You're going to start to see it. And you'll see his work all around you. But this only applies to the Christian, not the unsaved individual. Why? Because they can't see God work. They can't even see the kingdom, we found out, when he talked to Nicodemus. They've not been given the mind of Christ yet, nor does the Holy Spirit reside in them yet, if they are unsaved. The good news is that they can get saved, and they can get those things by surrendering all of themselves to Jesus and let him change them from the inside out. There was a parable that Jesus said, you know, you worry about this cup and you worry about how clean it is on the outside, but didn't you know that if you clean the inside, the outside would be clean as well? And he was talking about spiritual things. Let the Holy Spirit clean you on the inside. Let the Holy Spirit do his work, and you'll see the things of God in your life and in others. And number two, we need to keep seeking God. I think sometimes we get all caught up and all hung up on... Um, being comfortable in our church and in our community and in our lives. And we just kind of quit seeking God. It's not something we started out to do. It's not something we said, God, forget you. It just kind of wanes. We need to purposely continue to seek God. John 4.13, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink this water... I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while the Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? And Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter where you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is looking for those who will worship him that, that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and, and in truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus said to her, I am the Messiah. What a picture of salvation that's given here. The idea of a spring that brings eternal life. Um, verse 13 and 14 says, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You know, if we think of salvation as a spring within us, then the power of God is constantly at work in our lives. God's work is not a static thing. You just don't become saved and then go about your business. You don't just tack on Jesus. Jesus becomes your life. Jesus becomes your all. 
And this work is a work that goes forth from within us constantly. If you go static, in other words, you ever seen water that just kind of sits there? It starts to get what in it? Mold, bugs, all sorts of stuff. If you become static, you're going to get tainted by the world. So you've got to ask yourself, number one, if you've become static, are you like one of them seeds that was thrown? Remember the parable? Some fell by the wayside, some sprung up, but there was no root in them, and they died away quickly. Are you one of those? Are you sure you're saved? If so, what's blocking the spring so that new life isn't pouring out of you into other people's lives? If so, what is stopping that spring? Well, you need to find out. Jesus tells her to go get her husband, and she replies that she doesn't have one. And so Jesus, showing how much more important he is than Jacob or anyone else, starts reading her life back to her. We used to call it, he's reading her mail as it were. It's like he opened her diary and just read it. He says, you're right, you're living with some guy and you've been married five times. And so this woman thinks a second and says, you must be a prophet. No, really? That's why every time I read that, I want to say in my mind, no, no, really? I think I would perceive that too, that, she, that he was a prophet, don't you? Think about that. Jesus tells you everything you ever did. Yeah, sir, you must be a prophet. Hmm. So now she has another question for him. Now she's going to a different area, still with some animosity with the Jews. Where should we worship? Should we worship on top of the Mount Gerizim or go to the temple? You see, the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get along so much that the Samaritans wouldn't worship in the temple. They worshiped at the top of the mountain. So Jesus goes back to the spiritual the time is coming when we will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. What does it mean to worship in the spirit and in truth? That's the question. You know, there's multiple answers to this question. It's very good answers. But I want to focus on just two aspects. To worship in the spirit is a spiritual experience. And it's something that must be experienced to fully understand. And you cannot divorce that spiritual experience from the truth because God is truth. The truth that's given to us from the Holy Spirit. John 14, when we get there, verse 15 is going to say this, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. But we belong to God, 1 John 4, 6. But we belong to God and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. This is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. To worship in the Spirit is not just some ecstatic jump-around session with a bunch of hype. You can get that anywhere. You can get that in pagan temples. To worship in the Spirit is a way of living. It's a way of life. A way of living where one is compelled to live the righteous life. You're driven to get rid of sin in your life constantly. You are driven to live your life by what is written in the scriptures and no more. 
These people who think they can live whatever way they want and still be in the Spirit are fooling themselves and others. God calls us to holiness and holy living. 1 Peter 1.16, for the Scripture says, You must be holy because I am holy. I understand that we're going to sin. I understand that we're going to fail. I do it a lot. But that doesn't stop us from trying. Why? Because he said to be holy. Because he said so. That's why. You ever deal with a kid and you, why? Eventually you get to the point where you just say, because I said so. Proverbs 24, 16 says, the godly man tripped seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Keep getting up. Keep seeking God. Keep seeking God in holiness. Keep seeking God and ask him to make you new every day because his mercies are new every day. Luke eleven nine 9 says, And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. If you remember nothing, remember this. Seek God and let, let go of the dead things of the world. Seek God and let go of the dead things of the world. Don't become comfortable. Don't become comfortable where you're at. Always seek the next level in Christ and living in righteousness and holiness. Always go to the next level in worship. Always go to the next level in living what you say you believe. Letting people know the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel. Give your testimony. Real simple how to give a testimony. This is the way I was before. This is what happened. I met Jesus. And this is what's changed. This is how I am now. That is your testimony. Nobody can take that away from you. When you get to this, this is how Jesus has changed me. This is the experience I've had. The gospel's right there. There's the gospel. You're giving it. And this is how he's changed me. And remember, for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. As the ladies come, how about you today? Have you asked? Have you sought? Have you knocked? Have you asked Jesus first to come into your heart to be your master, Lord, and Savior, to be your all in all? Have you given up everything of your life for everything that he is in here? Your inner man, not the, not the organ that pumps blood, but your inner man. We call it the heart. Heart gives life. Have you done that? If you haven't, then you need to today. And it's real simple. Simple as A, B, C. A, admit. Admit what? That you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. B, believe what? Believe the gospel. 
that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, lived 30 years, for three years did signs, wonders, and miracles, declaring himself the Son of God, the second in the Trinity. And then he not only did that, he died for your sin. He died for your wrongdoing. And rose again on the third day, proclaiming himself victor over death, hell, and the grave. Holding the keys. Believing that. And see, confess. Confess what? Jesus as Lord. You see, during this time, there was emperor worship. And if you didn't confess Caesar as Lord, you could, have, you could be beheaded. And a lot of Christians were beheaded because they refused to bow the knee to Caesar. You were required to do it once a year. And they didn't do it because they said there is no king but King Jesus. There is no Lord but Lord Jesus. Today, a lot of us would call them just crazy people. A lot of us would go, why would you have your head cut off? You're a fanatic. Yes, guess what? Christians are fanatical about their God. And if you're not, then something's wrong. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. That's the promise. If you've never had that promise, if you've never believed on that promise, if you've never received his gift of eternal life, you can do it today, right now, whether you're on the internet, whether you're, whether you're listening by podcast or, or video stream, whether you're here. If you've never done that, you need to do that first because you can't even see the kingdom of heaven and my words and, and, and the things that we talked about today make absolutely no sense to you. You need Jesus. That's what it comes down to. Well, how do I get it, Pastor? Je Real simple. You ready? Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need you. Change me. That's how you receive it. It's not a, about the exact words. There's no magical formula, but what's inside? Have you done that? Have you done that? Sinner's prayer is good, but it's not a magical formula. It's about what's inside. And lastly, to the Christian, have you become stagnant in your relationship with Christ? Has that water become static, not flowing, no wellspring? What's happened? What's happened? Well, you become comfortable. Keep seeking. Repent and seek the kingdom of God. Keep giving the gospel to those that are around you. Keep inviting them to know Jesus and then invite them to church. Everybody wants a big church. They want, they want the church filled. Well, I got some news for you guys. That ain't going to happen if you don't do your part. Your part is to invest in people and invite them. Invest the gospel and invite them to church. Tell them about Jesus. I can tell you this one thing. I didn't know my neighbors a lot and didn't know how crazy they were. I know you're going to laugh at that. Until recently, 
when I spent some more time at home and I purposely got to know them. And, and some days you kind of wish you didn't. But they need Jesus. That's why they're so crazy. Listen, I, two in the morning, two guys who are drunk is chasing one guy around with a sword trying to kill him in my backyard. You know what them men need? They need Jesus. They need somebody to tell them about Jesus. Now all of a sudden I'm known as the preacher of the neighborhood. Hey preacher, how you doing? I'm doing good. Do you know Jesus? Let me tell you about Jesus. You work that into the conversation. And sometimes if you can't work it in, you just get blunt and tell them about Jesus anyway. That's where we need to be in our lives. Don't let ourselves get static. Don't let ourselves go stagnant. Because nobody wants to drink that water. No, they want the water from, from a spring. A bubbling spring. That's good water. Matter of fact, it's so good, we bottle it and sell it in stores. When I was growing up, I could never believe that we would ever buy water in a bottle. Man, water hose water was good. But that spring water is so good, we bottle it. Guess what? Be that spring for others. Become that spring, that wellspring of life, of wisdom, understanding, knowledge. And guess what? The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Share the gospel. Share the gospel at all times. So if you'd like to come to know Jesus, you can come on up and we'll talk. If you'd like prayer, we can pray with you. If you'd like to join this church by letter, statement, or baptism, we can do that too. It's up to you as we sing and close out Miss Joe. Let's all stand and grab the hymnal and turn to page 